Happy Chili Sundays, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Hot. Is it chili hot, or chili as in like you're cold? As in it's it's cold, as in I've got a blanket over my legs because it's chili. You're cold in, 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 in California? I don't think that... you understand what California is like. <laughs> no, no, no. no. It's, it's a massive place. It has a very different um, <laughs> ecosystem from top to bottom. So yes, it's bigger than our actual country, isn't it? Uh, than... Well, it's it's as it's about the size of Japan, so uh, I don't know yes. how that compares to England. It's bigger than us, like everything. Mm. It's bigger than us. Size is important. Uh, apparently so. Just like um, the front cover of our first uh, issue we're covering today, Excalibur, number yes, thirteen. Fourteen. It's fourteen, isn't it? Am I going too too far? You've gone... Excalibur is number 13, but actually we're covering Exiles number 14 first, so let me walk oh, that I've back gone, a second. I've gone the wrong way. <laughs> See, this is the this is the problem. This is why it's so cold. My mind doesn't work. <laughs> Just to clarify for everyone, uh, today we're covering three issues. We've got Exiles number 14, we've got Excalibur number 13, and then we've got the most recent Exiles number 12, which is the final issue. Because you were saying about size, you see, because both of them have separate size perception. Oh, yeah, yeah, this one does as well. Yeah, interesting. I got confused. But yes, we might as well start with um, what palace guard? Question mark. Um, let's, let's start with Exiles first and then uh, go to Excalibur and then back to Exiles. We'll do our, our, normal, our normal broadcasting I know order. Blew my mind. I know. Blew. I confused myself. So, Exiles but, number 14. Uh, on the cover, we've got our exiles reflected in the eye of, I think is supposed to be Dr. Doom here. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of a scratchier, different sort of flavor of cover than we've we've been seeing. Yeah, it's weird. What is weird is that um, uh, Sasquatch is really blurry compared to the other three. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, um, it's not too bad. It's just like a Doom's got you in your sights. Um, sort of thing with his missing eyelashes. Um, it's there. I feel like this yeah. one has more of some sort of artistic goal compared to the other ones. They just feel Definitely like plastically, pl- plasticky, where this one feels almost like painted. And I feel like there's a little bit more emotion in, in at least the tone of the artwork than the other this ones. This one has a narrative. Yeah. Compared to the rest, for sure. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, it's just. I think because I've been staring at it for quite some time, I'm just, I'm sort of lost, lost. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not a bad cover at all. Um, obviously, mine's textless, so it doesn't have anything like the Eye of Doom upon you or whatever, whatever uh, Marvel decided to slap on, slap on the cover at the time. Right. Exactly. Um, yes, issue number fourteen. Written by Judd Winnick, uh, penciled by Mike McCone, uh, inked by Mark McKenna, I believe. Um, Colorist is, for me, still Transparency Digital. Um, letter is uh, Paul Tutorone, and that is it. We've cover by um, Mike McCone as well. Uh, so, oh, really? Is that cover by Mike McCone? Huh. From the sound, from, it's the only one that actually says there's a cover by Mike McCone in my, in my entire collection. It's the only one. Is this issue fourteen cover by Mike McCone? But like, it doesn't say any of the other covers at all. Interesting, because inside the issue, it doesn't mention the cover artist at all. So, 
Yeah. Weird. Yeah. But anyway, so we start our exiles on another new world, as as is the is part of the course now. Is there one? Um, yeah. And on this world, Atlantis um, has been attacked a few times from the by the surface world. So Namor's decided to just kill everyone, like he does usually um, when he was a villain, and come to the surface world. And obviously, our exiles have to stop him. Uh, but to stop him, they have to ally with Doctor Doom himself because Namor's first att- first um, invasion into this world would be Latveria, and if he gets a foothold in Latveria, he'll be able to conquer half of the globe and become king of it. And we have our exiles sitting around, being kind of like, to be fair, um, continuing the narrative thread of we keep doing things and helping evil things. Right. Uh, and like Nocturne points out, like how long is it going to be? until we become the Weapon X um, team um, with all the stuff that's going on. And uh, we get to see that Morph really doesn't like Doctor Doom at all. Um, And he goes on this really interesting monologue, well, fun monologue about how, you know, um, some of Doctor Doom's sort of greatest hits are blowing up the backs of buildings, stealing the silver surface power, and... Basically, he even turns into Loki, which I quite like the design for his Loki. Yeah, these were a great um, couple of panels. I felt like not only were they fun, but really helped to characterize or, or you know help us to know more for a little bit more. So these these are great. Yeah, the, I think it really works well, and it's um, nice to see. Um, well, it's nice to see Nocturne actually in the comic. Um, it's nice to see that everyone's in the comic and sort of actually. Not drawn really. It's almost as if the art style toned down the sexuality of our ladies. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is quite a um, departure because they are quite often quite depicted quite um, sexually. And Doom just sort of doing what Doom does and staring off into the distance. Right. And Blink's not having much of it and basically like, we're going to just have to do it. And um, <laughs> Morph is like, I don't like Doom. Uh, mimics kind of like yeah, and I like the whole like he could kick his ass. Yeah, so I generally believe Morph could kick his ass as well from the way he is. Morph and then is we have deceptively panel. powerful in what he can do. <laughs> yes, and so these really nice panels. There's one part like the panel with the force field because basically Namor has lured Doom's army out and imprisoned them in a force field, which kind of reminds me of um, the Magnus, the force field he would use. use right, to right. Um, so, but I kept looking at it and going, is that just like a ti- like a giant like fingernail just dropped on something? It, that panel just doesn't, I don't know, this, it's supposed to be, he's not very good at backgrounds. Um, so I find it doesn't really do much for me. Um, and there's also, there's some, Na- Namor has some Atlanteans in Doom's castle who have uh, retrofitted his technology to help him. And so, um, they're about to split the team, but Mimic's all like, I can do the castle myself. Which, to be fair, he's super powerful. So, yeah, we could probably do it. And it's... Do himself. Blink is totally... It, it's like they're of one mind on this. She doesn't even have to explain. He's like, I'm going to do this. I know that's your plan. She's like, yeah, that's my plan. And they have a little moment uh, before he takes off. And part of the my annoyance with this issue was, you know, I thought we were going to get, like, some Doom, Namor action. And it, it totally shifts in the middle third or i mean it's, it's more than a third of the book i feel like but it's a very different story than what i was expecting us to have 
uh, yeah, like a, you, a big, big tonal shift here. Yeah, so we get this like sort of really nice panels of even his um, chin bum fluff doesn't look too bad um, of mimics. We've got some really nice panels, which are actually quite emotive. Which um, I feel like as the series has gone on, uh, McCohen has done really well to develop his style. There's still like some problems. Like I still don't understand how legs work like that. Like there's a panel of uh, mimic flying away and his legs. I assume his legs are bent, but the yeah, way it's bent drawn, back, yeah, just looks a bit odd. Like it's just like a weird mass. Mm. And so what happens is we get uh, Mimic's backstory. Um, and we're only we, fourteen issues in, and we're starting to get backstories of characters. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you all remember, Mimic comes from a world where basically mutants are accepted, and it's basically well, they describe it as Nirvana in here. Um, uh, but yeah, it's the Paradise Universe essentially. Uh, heroes are totally celebrated. Even the Hulk is like on the front cover of magazines. We have a picture of the president shaking hands with Captain America. We have the Fantastic Four with a horrible logo. We have a horribly drawn Cyclops. That entire panel. And I don't understand what's happening with Iron Man at all in that panel. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops <laughs> looks like a number of different ages throughout the panels that he appears in. It's really odd. Yeah. Like here he looks old. But, like, later on panels, he looks really young. Yeah, it's just, like... Mimic, it looks okay, and Cap looks okay, but everyone else looks a bit weird on that panel. Oh, yeah. Then we have, then we have like... Um, so we go through the motions, and we've got a lot of exposition about... Um, and it's not the character thinking, either. It's just narration. So Winnick has decided that, instead of having, like, any sort of sort of character flavor to the text. It's all just him describing what happened to, to, to Cal through his life. So you find out that his dad was a scientist that was a bit shit at um, making money. So he decided to start robbing and stealing for money. And then he encounters uh, the original X-Men, which activates his, his ability to copy. Um, and it's, he follows them um, in some... Here are their panels. A lot of grey. Perhaps too much grey. Yeah. Uh, which kind of like sort of... I really like the panel where his eyes are glowing for mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah, I like that too. But some of the other panels, like, I don't understand. Is he is he homeless in the panel underneath that? Or has he fallen over? Um, there's a really little disconnect between... Like, he the way he moves in some of the panels, like, the, the panel above the eye glowing, it looks like he's almost like a, a, a monster, like, crawling out of the shop. Right. Uh, whereas everyone else is walking normally. Um, but then we have like the nice panel at the bottom of the page where he's, he realizes he has wings, um, which is quite a nicely depicted panel. And obviously he um, ends up with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, much like, was that what, he, what it was like originally? I can't remember, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. And he he, quite... Well, you know, my, my memory right now is sort of colored by the... Uh sort of the re- rewriting uh the uh i want to say genesis but it's not genesis it's the ed pisker books that have sort of rewrote the history a little bit so it's sort of colored my, my memory in that uh aspect but at least in, in those books he does start off as uh, an evil mutant and he has very only very brief uh, appearance with the x-men yeah and so he fights the original team and they beat him because no matter what, like they they have the training. 
he doesn't even if he has all the powers. And then we have um, Xavier sort of essentially. Um, the thing is, it's a lot of talking heads, and I think not all of it's working. Like it's, I know there's static images, but there's no like um, sense of emotion in some of the panels, or mm-hmm. and I feel like the color work is just. The color work on the pages in the prison is just black out someone's face. Yeah. No, I think um, the prison show... panels are the worst panels. Yeah, pretty much. Like, um, there's a lot of repetition as well. Like, he's drawn the same panel. Like, there's, he's drawn one panel and they use it twice or three times mm-hmm. in a row. Um, but we have Xavier basically doing what Xavier does best, which is being weird and evil and being like, well, you, you know. And then min- being manipulative and being like, well, my school's better than this prison. Like, I'll feed you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Mimic decides, yeah, I'll do this, do the school. And I actually quite like this idea that um, the idea that even though they're special and they're together, they still feel alone because of the, how special they are. And that him, he bridges the gap between each individual because they all have someone to sort of uh, work with, with their powers. Yeah, so yeah. He, he, he sort of knows what they're going through. I did and like that nice as well. Power. I have some nice, nice, actual nice panels. I do like the panel with Cyclops. I love the panel with Jean. Yeah. That might be my favorite panel where they're both floating, meditating together. And I'm not a big fan of the Beast panel because I don't think human bodies work that like that. Um, hmm. And then we have him as the leader of the team because Cyclops. Kind of like going on the idea that Cyclops was timid originally anyway. So he ends up being the leader. And then um, we have him in a sort of revamped lineup of X-Men. Um, and if you look at I this Cyclops in the revamped lineup, he's like de-aged about ten years. Yes, yeah. yeah, almost like Kitty Kitty Clops is there. Yeah. So I have one question. Um, I don't understand who the girl in the silver with the red thing on her chest is. So first I thought, is it Phoenix? But it can't. She's not redheaded. But I don't know. It looks like. Have, um, the... It almost looks like, uh, boy, an Alpha Flight costume, you know. Yeah, but we have this like sort of new team. So you have the original, and you have like a Storm Cyclops, I assume that's Kitty, Gambit, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Wolverine, and some random chick. Um, and then it's like, talks about how um, Cal used to have a life, uh, and all the elements that made a life. Like, he used to run a charity um, with Angel and stuff like that, and then he's just going through the motions here. And then we have some interesting panels. I really like the panel where he's just floating next to the... To the um, castle before he goes in i don't know why but he just goes into the castle um he's just using his this sort of like device which obviously is searching where he needs to go then there's some doom bots show up which he dispatches and then as he thinks it's going to be not that hard he ends enters a room with a million doom bots and the doom bots kind of look like weird weird frogs um they're not your traditional doom bots yeah, not at all. That, and he's he's just basically ready for battle um, at the very end, and that's the end of the issue, essentially. So it's a trip down memory lane, memory lane with, with a tiny sprinkling of actual <laughs> plot moving forward. Right. And I, I you know, there's some of these, uh, like the, the the final splash page. I I, I enjoy. Um, even though uh, you know, <laughs> Mimic's body is contorted in all sort of odd ways as he's he's shocked uh, with these Doombots, but 
I love like the bright like metallicness of of how this it looks. It it feels very much like the art of the time, like turn of the century uh, artwork, uh, which can be good or bad. But I, I feel like works here. But but yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's sort of drawn out characterization of Cal that you know maybe we should have had a little bit earlier than the fourteenth issue, but. No, I, I didn't dislike, but it didn't really match up so well with everything else that was going on for me. Not what I was expected. Some of the panels of his his background were kind of boring. Uh, and, you know, we've had issues with McCone's, uh, you know, people before. <laughs> Sometimes he does something amazing and then he'll do something that looks totally odd. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this issue. I'm, like, kind of torn. It's weird because it felt like, because um, I think color work wise, they're doing some really good color blending on, on Cal, especially in his his metal form. Mm-hmm. Like there's a real like near the end some actually because yeah. usually the metal the the actual silver they use is too maybe too reflective, too shiny. It's it seems to really sort of um, what's the word? It kind of clashes with the rest of his physique. Mm-hmm. I know like Colossus is supposed to be shiny, but here they've sort of dulled the metal, but still. And made it seem more like flesh, right? And it kind of really works as a visual. There, there is too many contorted bodies. Like I couldn't tell if that's his um, ass, hip, or uh, thigh in that double um, page spread. Yeah, no. Basically. Yeah, um, he's, he's all kinds of different angles here. The over reliance on just pure black shading for everything kind of like dulls the impact of a lot of the emotional scenes mm-hmm. and the far too much grey. I know it's supposed to be set in certain places, but like visually the whole um, book has like a, a tint of grey in nearly every panel, which makes it feel quite drab and kind of muddy visually in places. And yeah, I think... We've had issues in the past as well with the backgrounds being pretty blank pages and we get yeah. a number of panels that are, you know, just carry on that tradition here. And visually it tells its story and it works perfectly fine, but I just feel like the story is, this is what we're going to do, but let's read Cal's uh, Wikipedia entry first and then go do the mission. Um, and like you said, I feel like this is something that could be dripped in. It might have been better to drip it in as he's like developing his relationship with Blink mm-hmm. or, or in juxtaposition with what he's doing at the time. Like when right. he's assassinating uh, Xavier, you could flash back to him in the prison with Xavier giving him a chance, for example. Right. Uh, and that could have maybe worked better to 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 um, do that with all the characters, but nope, they just decided to just lay it all down, basically. Yeah, it's not like I don't dislike having the background and a like focus on character, and it does sort of um, open my eyes a little bit to the person that Mimic is. So I, I appreciated that. Um. And there are panels where he's infiltrating the palace that I enjoyed. I just, I don't know, it felt like a really, like, relaxed issue, in a way. Yeah. That there's I wasn't, no ev- there's no urgency. Yeah. Like, there's, there's kind of like a, even at the beginning where they're talking about Namor, I never feel like this is about to go off. It's like, let's sit back for, for a week and just see what these guys are up to. 
and indulged in some character backstory, which I'm, I'm normally for, but this, this just felt, I don't know, it felt too long. What, uh, I mean, how do you feel about the overall issue? Are you, are you happy with this? Is this, you know, above average, average, below average Exiles? I think it's a, it's an average Exiles, but I think what it's trying to do, um, and hastily do, I suppose, is even though it's a leisurely pace, is that they're trying to hammer home and really position uh, Mimic in the heroic role of his past being this sort of fantastic opportunity that he took hold right. of and didn't go down the dark path. And that's in juxtaposition to what he's doing right now, where he's essentially doing things that he doesn't believe in just to save the universe, which is going to uh, is going to basically have a payoff in the next issue. Right. Um, essentially, spoilers. And I think what they're trying to do is, and they've done it in every decision he's made, is just be like, he's from the perfect universe. Look what happens when someone from the perfect universe has to fucking kill their old mentor or mm-hmm. has to murder someone else or this or this. So I feel like it, it'll serve a purpose. I just feel like it was kind of like a an issue that you could have... There's a million different ways, cleaner ways to do it than just have it kind of like put on the brakes of the... St- especially when it's the start of a new storyline where it feels like it's not going anywhere. Um, maybe there's just not enough story to tell. Um, so Winnick decided to throw in Carl's backstory. Yeah, I, I, you know, I might feel better after reading the next issue, but yes. uh, not that I, I hated this. There, there are moments I really enjoyed, but uh, overall, I, I feel like this is sort of on par with what what we get here, but just in in different ways. All right, all right. Well, that was Exiles so- number fourteen, which was full of, uh, I guess not thought bubbles, but narration. Uh, and and by full of, I mean you get like one line of dialogue in a panel, and we're about to jump into Excalibur where panels are overflowing with 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 words. So here we go. Oh, this issue, yes. Um. So, so continuing on our our thoughts on size, uh, we have an issue of of rather the cover of uh, Excalibur number thirteen has our team standing sort of between the legs of giants, being like, "What palace guard?" Obviously, this is a, a kind of joke, but uh, what do you what do you think of this cover? Um, I do love uh, Kurt's. Ooh, what's that face? Very much. <laughs> um, I think it's quite a fun, like stupid. It's like keeping in in terms of the tongue and cheek nature of the whole um, cross time caper sort of thing that we're going through, and I think it's done really well. And it's not like one of the, the most standout, but it definitely would be um, if that was on a shelf now compared to some of the very generic covers we get. Sure. I'd probably be like, oh, what's that? Because it tells a story. Much like the last cover, it does tell a story. Right. That's always good. What about you? Um, it's it's fine. I'm, I'm not really enamored with sort of the, the upper uh, half of the legs of the giant. It feels like it's maybe a little phoned in a little bit. And uh, our, our team is a little sort of under-detailed uh, for my liking. But I, I get what it's, it's going for. Um, I don't dislike it. Hi. So we start off with uh, Cap in his new costume, which is... Is this his normal costume now, or has it been updated again? Because I know the helmet's the same. It's practically the same. Right. <laughs> it's practically the same. And of course, he has to say, 
does my new uniform pass muster? And I don't know what, I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, yeah. This, like, is it good enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I like this costume a lot, actually. Of all the costumes we had, I really, I really enjoy this one. I think it's quite nice. It's very superhero in, in that it really suits his his dickish character. Oh, for sure. So I quite like it. I love the car. Right, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Sorry, but yes. Who 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 uh, make, who is who is bringing bringing us this book? Oh yeah, sorry, I jumped right on past that. We've got uh, writer Chris Claremont, penciler Alan Davis. Thank you, uh, inker Paul Neary, uh, who I'm not sure we've had on the book before. Uh, letterer is Tom Wozniakowski. Uh, colorist is Glennis Oliver, uh, editor Terry Cavanaugh, and courtier Tom DeFalco. So, not really certain what he's doing on this book. But... <laughs> he's just, he's just there. He's just. But uh, of course, we're we're happy to have Alan Davis on this book. And uh, so Cap comes out behind the changing curtain, and he's showing off his costume to his team. And Kitty and Nightcrawler sort of make fun of it a little bit, and. Uh, they talk about his helmet, and Cap's like, well, you know, it is the law that heroes in Britain have to wear a helmet, that, which I thought was my hilarious. Favorite, my favorite thing. I, just love, I was like, there's reasons why I love Captain Britain. That's one of them. Yeah, he <laughs> follows the law to the letter. That's the important part of the law, that you follow it to the letter and not the meaning behind it. Yes. <laughs> and so, like these, uh, I don't know, magicians, witches of this fantasy realm let him know that his costume will also... Like store in the energies of England, so he'll be able to keep his powers outside of England for much longer. Convenient um, plot. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and we hear that um, that's also why Megan and Cap feel so alive here, because this is like Britain, and that's where they get their powers for uh, from. So it's a little bit of sort of solving a previous mystery, and a little bit of uh, not characterization, but sort of backstory. And while this is going on, Kitty looks outside. And, of course, Professor Stewart is enamored with the fantasy world, and he's taking pictures, and Kitty's trying to get up all, get up, get on all, on up all over him, but uh, he's, he's having none of it, because he is, of course, enamored with Phoenix, who brings their train, just carries it in her claws, uh, over, <laughs> over, over London, which is also overgrown with trees, which is really interesting uh, sort of fantasy Can look I just to stop this. Because we're talking about fashion, but... Um... Is is it is it my imagination, or is there Professor Stewart wearing a fur jacket? So. Oh yeah, well, yeah. The, fur, the fur collar, yeah. The fur collar and fur cuffs for some unknown reason. Yeah, just because I don't know if he was wearing that before, but you know, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. So uh, yeah, we've got this sort of love triangle continue to go on, and as uh, Kitty's sort of being upset. Uh, Megan's like, hurry, the queen is here. And they go to see the queen who, hmm, looks a little bit like someone we've seen previously. And Cap uh, recognizes that, of course. Um, yep. And when when the, the, the Maj- Her Majesty comes in, she addresses Cap as like the default leader of the team. Even though I'm not sure we have a default leader of the team. Do not we? yet, no. Yeah. Um, and they're talking. Cap's like, oh, she looks like Saturn. Uh Mystery, 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 um, and 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 her Majesty's like, yep, yeah, Kitty has to marry my grandson now, and they're like, what? She doesn't want to, and they sort of argue, um, and in the background, Megan and Phoenix decide that they're going to sort of dress in uh, the style of the place, and there's you know a background gag of them trying on 
uniforms that are sort of Goblin Queen-esque uh, sexy, but it's, it's a nice little like gag going on in the background here of this page. I love these pages because obviously the Queen says that they're, they're dressing a bit, they need to be a bit more modest. Um, and I just love, I just love these pictures so much. Like these set of five where, and then Brian's face and um, where he's getting more and more panicked. And then um, you can see uh, the professor just like smiling more and more and walking towards them. I just thought it was a really nice sort of visual. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, it's a great. It tells such a great story. Um, it detracts from all of the dialogue on the left. On the left side, side. yeah. Uh, you know, and getting back to to that, the queen's like, you know, screw you, kitty. You're gonna marry my uh, grandson, and, and so be it. And they disappear somewhere. Uh, so obviously, our our dragon friend Lockheed gets upset, and uh, they go looking for Kitty. And the team runs into these giant uh, ogres or trolls or giants that are dressed up like bobbies, and uh, yes. which is you know British policemen for the American audience, and uh, sort of a gag. I don't I don't know how I feel about this. It, it, it feels very of the time, uh, like this animation style of, of these police officers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so then we cut away to uh, back in Brighton, where uh, Gatecrasher and her her team have finalized negotiations to have their own home base, and just all kinds of these. You know, I'm not even going to go into the names of of her team, but these crazy characters appear again, and I've forgotten how like wild and out there her whole team is. <laughs> They are insane. I do like the fact that the tourists that got trapped on Earth, that liz- the lizard tourist is still walking around right. um, England just having fun. Just having fun. No, I feel like this is the kind of... These are the kind of characters someone would, would come up with after like taking acid. This is the sort of characters I would see in like uh, the, the heavy metal cartoon from like the early 80s. It's just like wild characters. They are all insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Gatecrasher is keeping her, her team in line. They're sort of complaining. And then they realize that they still have uh, this wonderful man uh, who goes by the name of, and I've just lost it, uh, Nigel Frobisher, who is still half man, half woman, and the sort of right half of his body is male, left half of his body is female. Uh, oddness. And they're all upset. And they're, they're torturing him. He gets turned into... His boss for a second, who is Opal Luna, Nox, uh, Saturn, Mystery, Clues. Um, <laughs> and then it's turned back into, into a male. And he's like, yo, I'm just like here to help out. My boss sent me to help uh, save James Braddock, who is the obvious older brother of our beloved and sort of buffoonish cap. And they're like, yeah, sure, we're here to help. We're It's our first mission. Um, so <laughs> sort of... Uh, 90 degree turn here into, into something very different than what I expected uh, was going to go on between these these people, but they're now sort of in bed together. And and what do you, you know, I don't know anything about James Braddock. Uh, does did he make you know major appearances in the old Captain Britain series? I can't remember. I just remember that later on he's like crazy. Like he get he's just. All I know, all I remember is that he's just crazy, almost like a villain most of the time. Um, so I'm sure he has like some ridiculously overpower-powered 
sort of thing going on. But yeah, it's just a, I don't know, he's just there. For me, he's, he's always just been sort of in the background until mm. they decide to use him. Well, just like this issue. <laughs> then we come back to the Fantasy England. Kitty's uh, in uh, a beam of light, sort of like paralyzed and analyzing her. Uh, the uh, Fantasy Queen is. And they realize, well, they have to make her a princess. So all the witches shoot their energy at Kitty and she's ter- like transformed into a Disney princess. Uh, luckily, before that, she's able to reach out to Phoenix in a quite interesting panel uh like kitty's all in red and phoenix is all in black with uh like a, a bright sun uh sun colored hue behind them uh it's kitty screaming out for help what did you think of this panel i thought it was quite interesting i think all of the panels we most of the panels have been very interesting and i think it sort of mimics the sort of yellow colors that everyone seems to be using on her anyway right and right I do like, I really do like the contrast between the red um, lines and the black. Um, before our team busts, busts through. Yeah, our team busts through. Uh, they, uh, Phoenix is like, look out there, police ogres, you're about to get smacked. And then she smacks them and the rest of the team just like beats them all up. They're kind of worthless guards. And uh, Excalibur shows up. Uh, the queen's like, you know, you might want to save Kitty, but she doesn't need saving. Go have a look. And Kitty has been turned into a Disney princess. She's like, I don't know, two feet taller now. Uh, she's uh, sort of been been adulted uh, in terms of her, her body proportions. And she's like, hey, guys, I'm fine. Even look at my brain. Uh, Phoenix, you'll know that I'm good. And Phoenix is like, yeah, she's fine, which doesn't really coincide with what happens later on in the issue. But um, okay. So they're like, I guess we have to leave Kitty here. And we cut to... Some of the queen's uh, servants redecorating their wonderful uh, magical train here, and we have uh, a nice couple of panels of Lockheed, small and large, sort of chit-chatting. Uh, in, <laughs> in case you had forgotten, but their magic train is powered by a magical dragon. Um, yep, as it does. As it does, and the team's sort of like in a funk. And uh, Professor Stewart's like, you know, I can't solve our mystery unless I have Kitty back. And uh, sure. Well, we got over to Kitty, who is now like a foot and a half taller than her soon-to-be husband, Prince. Um, (laughs) They're in his, like, playground, which happens to have a little castle for him to to decide what he wants to do. It's like the only place he has a rule over, uh, which is... (laughs) It's like a silly, like, a, a playground idea for, like, a an eight-year-old but he's like 16 Uh, yes it's a fun little idea i really enjoyed that unfortunately uh they are attacked by like three trolls uh kitty sort of breaks out of her spell uh excalibur comes in to beat up these trolls and it's like three panel almost like mini story of them beating up kitty kitty escapes and excalibur you know jumps in behind them and the trolls are like "Uh uh-oh I think this is my like sequence of the issue here. It is quite cool. I do like the, the uh oh bit at the moment. Yeah, punk trolls, punk trolls are the best. <laughs> so Kitty sort of snaps back into it, like the spell takes over her again, and so she's a Disney princess. Uh, cut to later this evening, and Kitty is attacked, but Excalibur saw it coming. They go to sort of fight off this like evil symbiote who they fought in a previous issue, and wouldn't you know it? 
But um, this symbiote is being controlled by the previous princess that they had captured, who is a witch, because all queens and princesses in this fantasy world are a witch. And why was she doing it? Just because she's in love with the prince and wants to marry him, and she like let a trap uh, for him to come and rescue her. Uh, this is all sort of exposed in a Scooby-Doo-esque, like, and she's the real culprit uh, thing at the end. And the queen's like, yeah, this is all part of my plan anyway. Uh, and this has all worked out how I wanted it to, uh, the end. And <laughs> there are some moments of this book that I, I found enjoyable. But honestly, this was kind of a slog to get through. It's because it feels like there's like five stories in one. Yeah. Uh, but not in a good way. Visually, there's some really cool panels, like when the weird alien symbiont is completely engulfed at Rachel and uh, Kitty jumps through the black and pulls her out. And just being attacked by that, the, the panel where um, Brian's trying to rip the black stuff off Rachel is quite right. a nice panel as well. I generally love a lot of like the design choices, like when Rachel reads people's mind, it looks like uh, fire sort of flows over Kitty's head. Mm-hmm. and I do like the actual panels it's just I felt like so much was going on like it felt like it was just being overstuffed yeah and then and the direction the direction of it was like are we gonna go like do we need the gate crash I know we I know I kind of love dripping little things that will come back to haunt us um later on but it's like did we need those gate crasher pages just to be basically just to turn go Right, so um, the TechNet now have a base of operations in Earth, and they're helping this dude find Jamie, which could have easily just been a page. Um, and my lord, the text is just insane. Um, the amount of dialogue. He needs an editor. Like it just feels like he needs an editor at some point. I know. Like that that last panel where. Um, the amount of thinking that poor Queen is doing, someone's bound to say to her, um, hello, are you paying attention? I know. Because <laughs> she literally thinks for everything. There's so much going on. And um, and it's almost inconsequential anyway, because the story's over by, by the end of it anyway. So just because it's like, oh, this is what I've got, what I've always wanted. That could have been done in like four sentences. Right. Not even that. But yeah, um, it's not, the thing is, it's not bad. I was quite entertained by quite a few moments of it. I just felt like I was just, I was one, I was wondering when, I kept wondering when the end was. Yeah, because there's so much going on in each panel. I, like, you feel like you're further along in the story than you actually are in terms of page count. There were, there were a number of times I was flipping through like, oh, wait, I'm only like 11 pages into this thing? Okay. This, this is a lot. There's a lot of story. Very much so. And to you know, there's so many dialogue bubbles here that I feel, you know, I'm I'm always happy we have Alan Davis art here, but it's it's it sort of takes a backseat to all the uh, meanderings of our our cast of characters. Pretty much, I think even even um, Alan Davis's art was uh, definitely swamped by the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Oh no, not not a massive. Another sort of, I'd call it like an average issue. Yeah, yeah. So yes. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of glad we're done with uh well, at least done with this captured princess story. 
So, time to move on to our final uh, book of the episode, which is Exiles number 12. Uh, the, yeah. the, the, not penultimate, the ultimate, the final, the, the uh, unfortunate uh, ending of Exiles from, uh, you know, we've, we sort of fell in love with this book and, you know, the couple of um, minor missteps. But it's it's going to be really sad to not have this around anymore. It is a shame. It is a massive shame that uh, we'll we have to stop reading it, unfortunately. So, um, Exiles number twelve, we have on the creative team uh, storytellers Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez, Inker Alvaro Lopez, our uh, I, I want to call him a friend, friend of the show. Uh, colorist uh, Munsa Vicente, letter of VCs Joe Caramagna, and uh, cover by uh, David Nakayama. So let's talk about this cover. Uh, I've I've loved the Nakayama covers, and this this one is, as well does not disappoint for me. No, it's really nice. It's a happy family cover, um, basically. Everyone's having a nice time. Even Iron Lad buried in sand. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's barely there. <laughs> I just, I just really like it. I, I think it's really just nice. It kind of like has the tone of just a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. And also, we even have gorgeous. Kamala who appears briefly in the book sort of there as well, which is which is nice. Pretty, yeah. And it is really nice. Really nicely colored. Um, mm. But yes. All right. Well, On with the book. The last issue, we had uh, our exiles had defeated the sort of evil exiles that had been created and jumped through a portal to take on the Watchers. And so uh, we jump in with them jumping through a panel, uh, sort of colored in pink, and ready to take on these giant-headed jerks. Uh, <laughs> um, this This is a comic that, you know, other issues, of course, had very interesting panel layouts, uh, page layouts. But this 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 one goes in a very unique direction about halfway through, and even even starting right right away, we've got Blink walking through panels and Valkyrie sort of appearing between panels. And you know, I, I don't remember how I felt about this book first in terms of the flow. I may have had difficulty following the flow because it was so unique, but I didn't have difficulty following the flow in this book at all. Maybe I just got used to it, but uh, I, I really enjoyed having Blink walk in between and just just how it all it, it felt really natural for me now uh, to see where they were leading us in terms of uh, visual storytelling. So I just, even though there's nothing like amazing happening on this first few pages, I just really enjoyed how they they put everyone on the page. Yeah, it is a really nice stylistic choice. Like walking in between them, mm-hmm. just, it it feels like because they're all looking up as well. It just feel like they're addressing sort of the higher powers that are trying to cancel this book. Which um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the evil watchers are kind of like editorial. Um, but mm. I do really like um, that on the moon is still just a drab place. Like the first panel that, that, that our heroes jump through the portal and land on the moon. Everyone just lands in such a nice way. Like everyone's jumping out or landing in that a nice way. The flow of dialogue's working really well. 
um, it's almost as if like the character's sort of eyeline and um, pointing, mm-hmm. sort of points your way through the dialogue. Right. And you're trying to, and, like the characters in, in between panels are almost like a panel upon themselves. Right. Exactly. This um, edition, and obviously we get to the point where the evil watchers vomit yellow at our heroes and turn them all into um, panels. Essentially. Yeah, almost sending them into their own individual phantom zones here. Yeah. Which and, is, um, they, it's a nice page. Then we just, because yes, because they send them to basically horrible hell worlds, essentially. And we get these really beautiful, um, now we have these really beautiful um, done-in-one stories using the characters' bodies, which I thought was just a, just, I'm, I don't know how they keep surprising me visually mm-hmm. with this team uh, and how I don't like sort of I should expect this kind of thing <laughs> you know what I mean but I've never really seen anything quite like this because like the first one is King and he's uh, his actual like his body is in like he's clearly in pain he's falling through whatever this weird glass panel phantom zone is and from his sort of top of his arm all the way down to his leg are panels in between depicting like sort of his nightmarish scenario which mm-hmm. ends with Shuri's uh, death um, and it's and the, anno- the, the annoying the, the phenomenal thing is that even the panels inside his body are so well right. defined yeah like yeah, you'd think that somehow at one point Charlie Rodriguez would uh, like not be able to draw amazingly at all times Charlie there must be some <laughs> sort of like it really is a testament to like the skill and the passion and like when um Alfaro was talking to us before when everyone was just putting their heart and souls into this book mm-hmm. um and it really does show um on this completely and i'm just like wow essentially and so we have like panther story which is one of my favorites then we have um peggy falling in a different manner um and leg to chest with um, her story that Nazis take over England, uh, the UK, and obviously the world. And each character is coloured differently. So, like, uh, King's blue, Peggy's red, and um, um, Becky's green. And, like, they're, they're almost like the primary colours of of the rainbow as they go through. And, like, I really... Like, being a, being a wife, an abused wife, is just... Like she's been forced to be like a wife in that that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, really quite a sad, uh, poignant moment. And poor Valkyrie just Ragnarok happens, and each each panel is just of them in pain. And my favorite panel and my favorite image of the entire series happens when Paul Wolvey has to join the animated X Men. Yeah, <laughs> group, which is just like the best idea ever in the world <laughs> and this the, the dialogue is just so taken from the show it is it's all he he plucked the he plucked those lines right out of episodes yeah i just love the um everyone's so loud and so mean oh yeah <laughs> i do like whatever that song is though <laughs> but yeah i just the, his that is just the image i will now remember forever <laughs> from this series will be that um yeah, even it's 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 sort of like what I really like about Blinks is that in the Talos is the Exile team, mm-hmm. 
in the crystal of the Talus. And Blink is the first one to sort of snap out of it using the Talus as hell. And um, then we, she goes to Kang. Well, it's this is an interesting one because it's um, Iron Lad, but he's actually Kang. Right. That's the sort of um, framing. And Blink goes to Iron Lad first. And then we have these beautiful panels of her talking to him in yellow and then inside their bodies they're talking to each other as well and this is where I feel like there's a sacrifice that the, the story doesn't um, deserve because it doesn't really it comes out of nowhere essentially Right. but there's a lot of like, science um, fiction going on and um, basically to save everyone uh, Iron Lad has to sacrifice himself and it will mean that everyone breaks out and is free. And so we have these, um, one, two, it's like five by five. Mm-hmm. It's 20 panel page um, of them two talking. And it's sometimes it's just half their heads, then full heads. And it's just a really, like the actual like emotions behind the, the dialogue works really well. And the imagery works really well. I just don't think, it feels like it just, like a Deus Ex Machina that came out of nowhere. It, it definitely is. And un- unfortunately, you know, I'm not sure what else the writers, uh, know, the creative team are supposed to do with this book because editorial's like, yeah, uh, end it. And they're like, uh, okay, I guess we got to end it now suddenly. And there's not much you can do besides just finding finding a way. Uh, I mean, it doesn't. it's not a terrible way to end the book, but as you mentioned, the sacrifice is sort of out of left field and it feels almost un- unnecessary um yeah it, it but, is very exiles and that someone does sort of lose themselves for the rest of the team to continue on which happens all the time but i don't i don't know nate felt like the most underutilized character in the series and so there's there's a lack of, of of weight to it as well i feel like Exactly. It would have been more interesting if, well, not more interesting, but more damaging if, like, Wolfie had to um, do it. Yeah, the, <laughs> if the heart of the team had to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Yes. But unfortunately, I don't feel like Wolfie's nightmare is, is all that terrible compared to Nathaniel, who has to sort of become the nightmare he doesn't want to be and live that way. It's, uh, it's a much more harrowing uh, sacrifice. True. Sacrifice for continuity's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the exiles bust out of their prisons and are about to kick some ass because, you know, one of them are dead, so they might as well go out on a bang. And then the actual watchers turn up and actually do something and take our angry neckbeard watchers, I don't even know what to call these guys, the evil ones, um, away and unleash uh, Nick Fury, blue Nick Fury, and everything sort of is good. And then we have a little sort of m- memorial service on the beach uh, with our exiles. Everyone seems happy, and they're all saying goodbye to Nate. And um, then we have the night time where Kamala comes to Blink in a dream and is basically like, my life's fine, everything's awesome, thank you. Um, and basically sort of not really puts me in a mission, but sort of like the universe is, is it's good that the multiverse has you as a, a as a, as its guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, and the talus is like, when she wakes up, the talus is all 
shiny and the, the, they basically just have a really nice send off. Yeah. Next morning, everyone's chilled, relaxed, and then um, we, we have a, a feeling that uh, Blink's auntie might have something for the king. Which you know, how could you blame her? Exactly. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and Blink's like, well, some sooner or later, someone will want um, the exiles to come save the save the day. It might be another I mean, ten years, but we'll be here. <laughs> yeah. And there's a nice look. The finish is on a splash page with um, other exiles, dead and alive, um, just having a fun time, mm-hmm. basically. Everyone happy. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most success, sex, successful splash page I've seen, but it has a really nice sort of feel to it, a really nice, happy vibe to it. Yeah. I, I appreciate know, looking everyone's at, kissing. It, it's, it's, the, it's those like five or six pages in the in the middle um the, the really unique pages single splash pages that have the panels inside the people and those are so amazing and even looking at sort of the expressions of the characters on the outside how, how you can really feel the anguish they're in i feel like and and not to disparage uh javier rodriguez's art but those he put so much time into those that there are Parts of the other pages that feel maybe a little bit rushed, and um, you know, just just to be not to be critical, but just to be honest about what what we have here, it feels I'm a little disappointed by that. For example, this final splash page, like the cons cons face and saber tooth in the background, and some of it just looks a little bit under under the standard that they've they've put together. Uh, in the past 11 issues so it's a little it's a little disappointing that being said uh you know it's, I, I can't really complain that much about it because the rest of the book just looks so great and the, the rest of the series is, was so gorgeous and the uniqueness of those you know six pages eight pages i, I think you're gonna you know stand out for years to come no one's done something like that before and as, as you mentioned, it's sort of like a, a happy send-off just to sort of end it and send it off, which is, you know, a little bit anticlimactic, but I'm happy that they didn't, like, kill them all off. You could have gone that way, which would have been really way worse and and sadder and sort of uh, jaded. And I'm glad they didn't go that way. I'm glad they, they, they went in sort of a positive, they put a positive spin on it. And these characters are still around. Uh, because obviously there's still the saber tooth thing that never got, uh, uh, we, we never turned back to, to, to wrap up. So there's, there's still more story to tell with these characters and they, they created some interesting characters here. So hopefully, uh, you know, maybe when Marvel editorial changes and we, we get another, you know, set of interesting creators who want to pick up the mantle, we'll have, uh, these characters back again. Hopefully. Um, I think. My my only gripe is the final page, and I feel like it was because the quality on every other page is very high, and then we turn to the final page, and it doesn't seem like it actually flows from the previous page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they were just like, well, "How do we end this?" Right. And um, they just came to, "Well, we'll just have try and have a splash page." Yeah. Um, but it does feel like the book, unfortunately, was uh, not long for this world, and. It has been cut short, and you can tell often mm-hmm. uh, in certain areas. But to be honest, um, 
if we were grading this, I'd still give it a four out of five because those middle panels are astonishing, and some of the emotion it does evoke um, hits really well. Um, no, I, I just would... think there's some certain elements that don't hit too nicely or don't land as well as they should. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I agree. The, the, the artwork is still amazing, even even like average or slightly below average. You know, Javier Rodriguez is still amazing. So, um, yeah. uh, this book is, is still looks great. I, I feel like the characters still shine through, even if the way that things ended aren't, you know, maybe not quite satisfactory. Not that that is necessarily the fault of the creators. It's just uh, they were in a difficult position. But I would also give it four out of five in that. And that kind of reflects my overall feeling of the series. Uh, I would I would give it four out of five overall, and that for the most part the art was great. The character moments were wonderful. It was an you know innovative, inventive, fun, uh, you know a unique book unlike anything else out there. And um, it's a shame that it's over. I I echo your sentiments, and I would, I'd also give the whole series four out of five. Um, yes, it is a shame it's over, but alas, move on. We're, we're moving on to different things. So. If we have any listeners who haven't heard us on, on Jason's podcast, we're kind of harsh critics. So four out of five is actually really outstanding for us. <laughs> like <laughs> we review other X books and we're like, yeah, that's a one out of six. That's uh, do we have to give this book a, uh, a grade? Like it's so bad, but uh, four out of five is like, yeah, we have discerning taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, hardly any book is perfect. You know, I don't know if, if I've read a book, that I would give perfect marks to ever. So four out of five is just like really wonderful stuff. So, you know, shout outs to all, everyone involved in this book. You know, uh, we really appreciate Alvaro coming on and speaking to us about it. And, you know, he, he's done a great job. Rodriguez is wonderful. Uh, Ahmed sort of steered the ship in, in a wonderful way. He knew when to get out of the way of the artwork, which I feel like, after reading Excalibur, is is a a talent worth uh, praising. Uh, I think it's we need to art form in itself. Mm-hmm. We need to uh, praise uh, was it uh, Rod or Rob Reyes uh, who did those yes. uh, uh, astonishing t- issues. Oh yeah, his artwork was gorgeous. Um, so you know, kudos to everyone involved, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you all on more projects in the future, and we're looking forward to more. Exiles in the future someday. Um, so I, I guess you know the, the final thing we need to touch on is moving forward. We're going to still be covering, you know, old Excel, uh, Exiles, old Excalibur, and we're going to be jumping into Generation X. <clears throat> Yay! Yeah. So uh, just to sort of set the stage for anyone else who's listening or reading uh, along with us, we're going to cover. Parts of the Flanks Covenant, not like actual issues, but sort of go over the beats. Uh, we can actually show how Gen X is kind of tied into uh, Exiles as well uh, in their uh, Genesis. And um, probably next next uh, episode, we're going to start with uh, issue number one of Generation X, which will be fun because we're, we're, we're giant Bacalo fans. So it'll be nice to jump back and see his old stuff. Um, are, you, are you excited, Dan? I am because his style to begin with is so different to what it is now. <laughs> like, like it's it's still his work, but like, it, yeah, 
like they ch- it, he changes drastically his um style from issue one to like i think it starts in issue five where he starts going to more of his style now yeah it, he does morph in uh, a bit but it's all good i think um also on, on twitter what i'm gonna do is i got this chest of stuff from my uh, parents house that has all my old comics and i lost the key you know this 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 chest is super old um so I've been trying to open it up and I can't, so I'm about to like just like break this thing and dive in. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no, nothing, no other way to do. So just smash it open. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be on Twitter, uh, sort of live tweeting my exploits as I bust through and and you know pour over these old comics and I've got a bunch of cards in there and I'm I'm certain that the foil cover for the first issue of Generation X is in there as well. So it'll be uh, sort of a, a journey to to see what's in there. <laughs> then you have to break open it. Hopefully, it's not cursed. <laughs> like when you break it open. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm no. It's not cursed. It's it's not like a like a wooden chest that's covered in like moss and has been buried underground. It's just like a a plasticky uh, blue chest that uh, unfortunately this little key, this unique little key, is has gone missing over the years. So uh, look for that online. Uh, you'll probably <laughs> you'll probably hear us on. Uh, on the uh, the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked with Jason shortly as well, and um, yeah, so stay tuned for that, uh, and we'll we'll see you next month, right? Right, Dan? Yes, next month. All right, Gen X. It'll be fun. All right, all right, and bye bye. Bye bye.